Welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As always, it's your host, uh, Matthew, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host. Hey, guys, it's me, Michael. All right, so uh, right off the bat, I do want to give a a big shout-out to last week, uh, our episode last week, which is definitely, Mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't checked it out already, definitely check it out. But um, we had a great open discussion, uh, not about sports, but about uh, obviously a very important matter in our uh, world today the um fight for justice and fight for uh fight against racism um mm-hmm. and uh we, we we just wanted to start an open discussion on uh uh being an ally and standing with the black community and um you know just uh just just seeing what we can do as allies or even um to learn and educate more about the entire movement against police brutality and um for anti-racism Yep, absolutely. And uh, we're very happy with the uh, discussion that it created. After the episode came out, like, I was seeing some overwhelming positive responses, uh, for sure on Instagram and on Twitter as well. So thank you guys for uh, really taking the time to listen and uh, taking to heart what Tiffany and Peter had to say on the episode. And uh, for really uh, just, like I said, taking it to heart, because uh, that was a very important episode for us. And I think what we want to emphasize is that while we are a sports podcast first, we will not uh, be afraid to talk about these important social issues. And just and this is a definitely one of the most important ones uh, at the moment, and one that uh, even though it's going to eventually, like the converse, the, the key of the conversation may uh, not be as uh, like trendy as it is right now. It's still going to be a very important conversation. Like Matthew said, let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep learning. Let's keep listening. And let's keep helping the black community uh, in their fight for uh, equality. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't checked it out already, definitely check it out. I mean, Michael, you and I are just so proud of... Obviously, it wasn't even our work. We have to give full full credit and applause to both uh, Tiffany and Peter, who we had on Mm -hmm. last week, of course, um, sharing their experiences and and, uh, really educating are offering a lot of points to learn from um, because that's what we set out to do with that episode was make a podcast episode that can be used as a resource for people to listen to and uh, educate themselves about the entire um, the movement and um, you know what they can do and why why they should even consider you know um, helping out and, and fighting in this fight for uh, justice and um, mm-hmm. it's something that's so important to both of us and uh, definitely very, very important to um, the black community and uh, people of color. And um, definitely, if, if, if uh, you haven't already, definitely check it out. And of course, before we even get into talking about sports again, like um, it, it's very hard to speak about sports these days because the, like, like I said last week on last mm-hmm. week's episode, there's so, m- there's so many more things that are so much more important. Um so that's why I want to I want to discuss this right now and then I mean this week we will be talking about sports again but uh the point mm-hmm. is I don't want this it, it shouldn't be I don't want it like I know a lot of people are, aren't posting about it as much anymore and things like that but this fight for justice doesn't come to an end just because it's starting to die down on social media or we just don't stop talking about it or we don't stop taking action um everyone I really encourage everyone to keep up the uh the fight and keep up for uh keep up helping out and educating yourself and being an ally and 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 trying to do your part to uh you know hopefully we can reach uh you know justice and absolutely uh, even though we're going to be talking about sports this episode that does not stop us from uh 
being allies and, and doing what we can to uh, to make a difference. Absolutely. And uh, we're very encouraged and uh, very happy that, uh, like we said, like I said earlier, that people did take the time to listen to it. And honestly, as if even just one person took that episode to heart and wanted to make a difference and wanted to start to learn more about uh, why the Black community is going through the struggles that they've been through for the last 400 years and want to help them out, I think that's uh, we're very pleased, proud, for, proud, proud, proud of that. But again, like Matthew said, keep this conversation going and also keep learning and not just uh, keep learning about the history, but learn why your fellow uh, friends in the black community are hurt because this, this fight is not going to end with this uh, trend dying down. It just, this has been going on for their entire lives and will continue to do so unless we make serious changes uh, and serious action to stop it. And before we move on, I just want to quickly shout out to, um, our buddy uh, Nick Barden, who just released his very first podcast episode. And it was a discussion with uh, our other good buddy, uh, Omar, mm -hmm. about uh, racism in hockey life and uh, how someone can uh, learn and be accountable. So definitely check out his podcast. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty good discussion, I'd have to say so myself. Oh, yeah. I, I gave it a quick listen today. And uh, uh, definitely check out their podcast. Uh, well, Nick's podcast with uh, featuring uh, Omar. Uh, a lot of great a lot of great things on that podcast and great discussion overall. And uh, mm -hmm. before we move on, just of course, I want to shout out. I've been I've been sending everyone to this link uh, because it really is a good link, a good resource to use. Uh, Black Lives Matters with an S at the end. dot c a r r d. dot c o. That website is a great resource uh, or a great website that'll direct you to more resources where you can learn about. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement and learn about a whole lot of things to do with uh, the whole movement and the fight for justice. And uh, it also includes um, places that you can donate if you want to help out. I definitely encourage you to help out um, if you can. And also, if you can't um, donate uh, with money, uh, you, there are tons of petitions you can still sign which need to be signed still. So just because uh, you might notice that... Uh, you know, things are dying down on social media doesn't mean the fight has stopped. We have to keep trying and we have to keep doing our part. Absolutely. And uh, yes, definitely check out that resource. There's a lot of really good stuff you can check out. Uh, I've, I've checked out the source uh, before. It's very helpful. It's a, a great way to get started, but that's not just the only uh, source you can check out. There are hundreds and hundreds of other places to uh, go to donate and uh, to do your research uh, on uh, these injustices and uh, yeah, which is just definitely a first step and uh, definitely check it out as a first place uh, if you're not sure where to go. Uh, Matthew's got the perfect one. Uh, so definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. And we'll throw it in the uh, in the bio of this uh, of this episode again um, if you guys want to check that website out, of course. Um, of course. And well, that, with that, we will get into today's uh, regular discussion. And uh, I do, I do want to keep uh, today's flow going for the podcast. We have a lot to cover. Of course. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I know we talk about video games a lot, but they just, they we're, we're recording this on Thursday at around 5.30 p.m. And uh, the PlayStation 5 was just unveiled. Yes, it was. I uh, yeah. I did. Yeah. It was uh, It was pretty interesting. Uh, a lot of great games were revealed uh, off the top of my head. Uh, GTA 5, uh, Ratchet & Clank, uh, a new game, the new NBA 2K game. There's, I mean, that's just the top of the top of my head. There's so many other games that uh, I didn't get a chance to mention, but uh, the big reveal was uh, 
of the console design itself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I, we've already discussed this just before we started recording, but, uh, I'm of the belief that I'm not a huge fan of the design and maybe it's just because of the way it looks, but also because of the color. But I think you have a little bit of a different opinion. I love it. Like, <laughs> I love the okay. First, the design. I love the futuristic design. It's it's all it's all curvy and stuff. But I, and I, I like how it stands up. I love I love consoles to stand up. But I don't know. I just like the futuristic look of it because I don't know. It's like I don't know. It's just so cool. And then um, I'm gonna hit on two points. The color. I mean, I do like the color. I mean, white to clean color. I I would have preferred black just because all yeah. my consoles are black and I don't know I it's a nice aesthetic but um white is a nice aesthetic and I remember when they released the white PS4 I did kind of want it but mm -hmm. I think it just I I think they want to show how different this console is and what's a more you know obvious way of showing you know a new a step in a new direction than changing the color right that's a obviously a, a very drastic physical change to the appearance and mm -hmm. um i think it's i think it's a great color i mean i think they will i think they'll they'll release a black one down the road for sure um I think so too. as you know special editions and, and things like that come out but um yeah uh for as a launch uh console like as a, as a launch base base model i think i think white looks cool i think it looks really cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, it would look better if the whole thing was black, if I'm going to be completely honest. That's just me, because just my taste is I prefer the console to mm -hmm. look like that. But uh, obviously, to each their own. I know people uh, prefer the white console, and they're going to be really excited about this one. But I think the real thing for me is the games, and uh, what kind of games will be available at launch, mm -hmm. and what kind of games uh, will be available for backwards compatibility, because uh, I know that the Xbox Series X is going to have all the Xbox One games available, uh, to be played as well as uh previous games on the uh 360 and on the original xbox um and i think that's for me very important because a lot of people are very hesitant to switch over to the new console if there's no real incentive for the current games that they have and as someone like me who's uh on the xbox one and is considering switching over to the ps5 actually not considering is the right word i'm actually going to make the switch when the time comes uh it's a very it's very important for me i think that uh these consoles have the right amount of games available at launch and that you can get without uh, having to fork over 80 bucks a game. I mean, they unveiled a whole lot of games already. Um, I don't know about you, but the ones that I'm most, uh, that they showed in the, in the uh, event today, the, the ones that I'm most excited about are uh, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man sequel. Yes, um, that's the one. Gran Turismo 7, Ratchet and Clank. I love Ratchet and Clank. Ever since I was a kid, that was one of the game series I played growing up. And I'll, it'll always have a special place in my heart. And I, I just love Ratchet & Clank. So I'm excited to see that. And it looks so good with the new graphics. Um, also, of course, 2K. Uh, but I don't know. We didn't really get much of a trailer. More so, we just got to see... Okay, let's be real. Like The way they, they make the graphics look better is just by adding a lot of sweat. <laughs> there you go. That mm -hmm. looks more real. Like Eventually, we're going to have... Uh skin textures looks fully accurate mm -hmm. like you're gonna see the lines on the skin like, mm -hmm. really deep down and then but the goosebumps will be so far easy. what i've been noticing with like 2k for the last few years is when they say like updated graphics it's just the shading on the sweat and everything like that um but it did look good and i think the big news is we got to see uh 
I, I think it, it's pretty much, I, I think, I guess this is confirmation, but uh, it seems like Zion Williamson will be the cover athlete considering that they used him in the trailer and they usually do that for the cover athlete in the initial trailer. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that real quick? Well, Zion really came out of the gate swinging uh, when he finally returned to the court uh, after missing the first couple of uh, months of the season. And uh, for good reason, because he was the first overall pick. And I think he was he justified that really quick. There was no real doubt for uh, for people. I mean, there was a bit of doubt. like, oh, he's injured. Uh, is he even going to be able to play again uh, the same way he did in college? And he silenced those uh, doubters right away. And he are, and he has that big deal with Jordan from before his first season. Like this guy is clearly going to be a a star player, and like we're seeing another star player in the making. So I think it's uh, on the one hand, it's the kind of the right move because he's got name recognition, name power. Uh, but at the same time, this is a guy in his second season. I don't think it's it might be too quick to do something like that. But then again. The, the NBA, like marketing uh, division, maybe not the NBA marketing division, but there's a lot of marketing centered around uh, Shaq when he started entering the league right away, and he turned out okay, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think you, you nailed the point there. I mean, Zion basically missed half the season. I mean, let's be real. We've only seen him play, like, what, 20 games so far? Mm-hmm. Um, but in those 20 games, he's shown that, you know, he is a star player. He's literally playing like a superstar. Um, right off the bat, he didn't really need an adjustment period or anything like that, especially coming off an injury. Um, and the fact that he's been able to hold that name, uh, like just his popularity, um, just shows his star power. I think, I really think he is probably the most hyped, like even going up to his draft, I think he was the most hyped prospect I've seen probably since... I'm just trying to think. Honestly, probably since LeBron. Yeah. Um, in terms of hype. So the fact that he's able to carry that hype over. And uh, yeah, I, I guess the 2K the two K developers noticed that hype. And uh, they know that they can capitalize on it. And I think it's, it's okay. I don't think he'll win Rookie of the Year or anything. But I definitely think he'll still be the superstar uh, probably by next year. So I think it's a good move. I think for him, this would be the equivalent of winning rookie of the year because uh, there is like because he missed so much time there, he doesn't have as good of enough of a chance. But uh, I think he'll take uh, potentially being on the cover of two K twenty one. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, I don't know. It just makes me think of all the players who haven't gotten the two K cover yet. Uh, There's so many I could think of. That I mean, would love Kawhi to be has never gotten a cover. I don't know if he, I don't know if he wanted one, but. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, James Harden hasn't had one, like a solo cover. I know he was on that uh, triple cover that they yeah. did with uh, in 2016, I think, with Steph Curry and uh, Anthony Davis. But hey, I mean, Anthony Davis got a solo cover as well. Um, there's a lot of players that haven't gotten. I was thinking, you know, probably, you know, Luka, Luka Doncic might have it in a few years too, or I, I thought mm-hmm. it's anything this year. Um but I guess uh, Zion definitely has the hype right now to play off it. So I'm excited for that. And plus, there's also potential for multiple players to get on the covers, not just only one player can make it on the cover. That would be interesting, actually. Uh, I mean, 2K's done it a bunch in the past mm-hmm. where, like, Anthony uh, Davis is on the cover for one, and if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong, LeBron James or is it Dwayne Wade is on another cover for, like, a different version of the game. 
Yeah, they, they have remember they have a legends cover, a legendary cover where they put a legend and like I'm like 100% sure this year will be Kobe Bryant because it's only right to mm-hmm. have Kobe Bryant as on as the cover athlete for the legends edition. Yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense to me. If, if if there's any uh, doubt, there shouldn't be any. Like I think last year was Dwayne Wade, yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Um just a quick question before we move on to to other sports talk. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty ever since we played Warzone. Ever I've been on a, yeah, seriously, ever since I played Warzone, I got a bit of nostalgia for the Call of Duty franchise. And like I was like watching a bunch of videos from this channel called The Act Man, who goes in depth on a bunch of the games. Have you been playing and a lot more Warzone? Me, uh, I played a bit, but really the game I've been playing a lot lately is Black Ops Two. Nice. I really wanted to play Black Ops 1 Zombie because it's my all-time favorite. It's one of my mm-hmm. things I'd like to do for a little bit, but apparently no one's on there. And uh, I want to play Modern Warfare 2, but no one's on there either. I mean, but... people are on there because I remember me my a couple summers ago, me, me and my friends wanted to play Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. And we played, and there are people on there. There is surprisingly a big community, but I think there's a lot of like mod, mod or hackers or whatever they're called, people who mod the game and play it. Yeah on there that that are kind of ruining the servers yep that's true Mm -hmm. so that's that really ruins the experience it's not the Uh, same game anymore basically online yeah like you get lucky every now and again where you have a normal match but then as Mm -hmm. soon as you get one where the you get unlimited ammo or the guy's just like killing you from across the map or he's just getting a bunch of uh like a bunch of kill streaks in very quick succession like it's not fun Mm -hmm. but what can you do? That it's an eight-year-old game. You can't really complain too much. But, yeah, I uh, get that, hundred percent. I just hope that uh, the next Call of Duty game, which I believe is going to be on the Cold War, recapture some of the magic because it's been a long time since a Call of Duty game has really made me excited. Honestly, like Call of Duty has kind of fallen off, and I mean, like, yeah, I think ever since like, I think the last good one was honestly Black Ops Two, probably. And then mm-hmm. they, they released a whole bunch of just misses after miss. And um, honestly, like, I've been, uh, it, I've been I've I've been happy seeing that a lot more people are playing Warzone and kind of bringing it back. I know a lot of people are just trying to hold on to COD, and it's one of those franchises that people just don't want to let go of. Um, mm-hmm. But if the next COD is, a f- is it like, a huge miss, they're lucky that Warzone is getting this much attention. But if the next one is a huge miss, I think um, we'll really see or start to see the death of Call of Duty as we've already started seeing the decline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a bit of a bunch of missteps, but mm-hmm. I understand why people hold it in such high regard because there was a six game stretch of uh, pure excellence. And uh, for me personally, I played pretty much every Call of Duty from uh, modern, like religiously from Modern Warfare 2 until Modern Warfare 3. But I also played World of War and the original Modern Warfare a bunch. So I know how how much fun the Call of Duty franchise was at its peak. And I sadly missed out on Black Ops 2 during its uh, prime because I thought that's also been a fun game. But I feel like every single game since then has not made me want to go back in. Mm-hmm. And I've had fatigue from the franchise since after Modern Warfare 3, to be completely honest. I think everyone has, and I, I, like I said, I think it's a good thing that they're getting some, uh, some notoriety and uh, some success off Warzone. 
but we'll see what the next uh release uh brings but does this mean uh have you if you've been playing does this mean uh next time we hop on stream for warzone you're gonna carry us uh (laughs) stay tuned for that one we'll see for Uh, sure but i will say this before we move on uh treyarch is going to be developing the next uh, call of duty game like it's what well like i said because it's black ops uh black ops cold cold war and if i've my math is checks out correctly they've been the company that's made the better games between them and infinity ward so Mm -hmm. i'm hopeful that the game will be decent for sure um with that uh i think we'll move into some sports talk for this week let's do it so two weeks ago obviously uh we spoke about how the nhl announced that uh they'd be coming back um and the uh the bracket is kind of confirmed now as as we know the toronto maple Leafs will be facing the uh columbus blue jackets but then mm-hmm. it gets interesting because i believe uh i mean you probably know the exact details um but the seeding for the, the the next round or the top seeds in the uh in each uh conference i guess we can call it or each side of the bracket um yeah they're going to have a little play-in kind of thing to determine their own seating so it's possible that the leafs might not have the bruins yeah which will be very helpful for a lot of fans that have ptsd over the last two years <laughs> i know and i mean if toronto can avoid the bruins then and and hopefully if they can get over that hump of that second round or first round i guess it's still the first round then uh those first round jokes can can come to an end yeah although some people might put an asterisk like oh mm-hmm. it was during a COVID, during covid it doesn't count I but know. Uh, i think they would it would give them a huge boost if they can win a round of some sorts even mm-hmm. if this one is still a qualifying round to make it to the real playoffs yeah and i mean again people aren't counting the qualifying round but if they don't face the bruins second round i think the leafs have a legitimate chance to even getting over that i guess that first round matchup yeah they do have a good shot and i think that uh in general this this call off this system for the playoffs we've said this on previous episodes it's not perfect but when enough time ha- with enough time has passed and more details on how it's going to work i think it's i think this is the best case scenario mm-hmm. because it gives the teams that were just outside the playoff bubble that feel on that felt that if it was only 16 teams they cheated out they have a chance that hey, at least we were given a second a second chance to write the sh- write things up or give ourselves uh, the ending that we were hoping for. Um, the teams that are in the top four are already guaranteed to playoffs, and uh, the uh, best of seven format doesn't get lost. The only thing that gets shortened is the qualifying round and the seeding uh, round for the top four teams. So mm-hmm. I like it. I do too. Um... I'm I'm just excited for hockey to come back and again hopefully that they can do it safely with no uh you know no more covid spread safety of the players uh should be the the top priority and mm-hmm. uh I just want to see how everything plays out honestly honestly um, and I know I do know that uh the Leafs are slowly returning to practice um in Toronto I think uh the NHL announced that uh the next phase uh will be July 10th I believe which is the training camp yeah. Um, so what what's what's your thoughts on the entire just just them returning to practice slowly and then uh, ultimately training camp? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very happy that we're already in phase two, which began on Monday of this week. Uh, players uh, were slowly starting to return to the ice, and uh, actually today the Leafs had some uh, players uh, back in Toronto, including Morgan Riley, 
who's uh, who's made it back out here for for uh, phase two practice. It's not really uh, their traditional practice in the sense of uh, all the players could be on the ice at the same time, uh, and they still have to do their physical distancing for the time being. But I like the uh, optimism of the early July date, like July 10th date. That doesn't necessarily mean that all teams are going to start on July 10th. That's probably going to mean a couple days later teams will probably start. Because remember, it's all about uh, the medical and safety conditions uh, allowing the players to uh, carry through with the training camp. Mm -hmm. Um, And we still don't even know when the season will actually resume. They haven't even announced that date yet, but... If all, if my math checks out correctly, based on the amount of time that's going to be needed for this training camp, it's prob we're probably looking at at the absolute earliest, an early August uh, start. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um. So uh, I'm just I'm honestly just looking forward to that, and uh, we'll see as uh, as the weeks go by because I believe a Pittsburgh Penguins player uh, tested positive for COVID. So I think this phase right now is a big, and this. Uh, you know, these small group workouts and everything like that. I think it's an important phase to see how the spread could possibly play out and just make sure that the NHL can contain any spread, you know, that happens and mm-hmm. make sure that not there's no COVID outbreaks or make sure that all the players test negative and things like that. Um, so I think it's just a crucial time altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think would be a great source of inspiration for the NHL would be, uh, I'm not sure if you heard about this, but the Premier League does constant uh, testing mm-hmm. of their players, like over a thousand players in the staff each and every single day. And they're able to quickly rule out and uh, put the player or staff that's uh, infected with COVID into quarantine uh, right away, which I think is good because, again, the only way you can ensure that this will work is constant testing. And a quick response if a player or staff member does come into contact with the virus. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I do want to ask you uh, for our next topic is uh, which players or teams do you think could benefit uh, most from this pause? Well, I think it probably it's probably easy. For me, it's any team that had a bunch of injuries uh, going into the uh, just prior to the pause. And I mean, obviously, the Leafs are the first one that comes to mind on that front because as we we've discussed on many previous episodes, they were riddled with injuries. So they get a chance to really uh, regroup and uh, get back to full strength, but also protect for perhaps a team that was on a bit of a losing streak, but in a playoff position that really could use uh, sometimes to, to reflect. Uh, I can't think of many off the top of my head. Cause there's just so like, I need to, I haven't looked at the standings in so long and I'm going to be completely honest. The standings have kind of become an afterthought at this point because it doesn't really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. But any, but, but I, I don't know about you. Maybe you, you have a different perspective on things. But perhaps a team that was uh, really struggling would probably benefit just as much as a team who was uh, starting to slowly get healthy. I mean, I think we're just in for a really, a really interesting playoffs because um, this playoffs will be a playoffs where everyone is or every team is close to healthy and mm-hmm. that's like an entirely new dynamic where teams don't have to worry too much about injuries and things like that but um in terms of players um i'm gonna i'm gonna flip the question a little and uh say that i feel like it's gonna be a little hard for players to uh come out swinging i can't say that any players will be ready for this because i feel like um 
you know, emotionally, it's it's going to be a lot different as well. Um, it's not like a normal league. Uh, players obviously will be playing, but who knows? Some might be a little worried about, um, you know, the repercussions of coming into contact or playing full-on contact um, it, during a pandemic, things like that. Um, there's definitely a lot of those things that might factor into how these players play. And of course, after taking, I mean, let's face it, this, this break was just as long as an off season, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, a lot of, I mean, unlike a regular off season, these, uh, like these athletes didn't even have access to a gym or a, uh, a rink for, for a long, long time. So they're going to feel a lot more sluggish than they usually, than they usually do. And, um, I honestly think that'll play into a very slow start for a lot of teams and a lot of players. A lot of the play, a lot of the star players, even who we'd expect to come out swinging, aren't going to have that big of an impact right away. At least that's what I think. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that because I think a lot of teams that are going to really struggle, at least off the top of the head, at the top, are teams that uh, just before the play stopped were kind of on a bit of a roll or slowly losing, like, they had players that were on hot streaks. We have to remember, if there's one thing in hockey that's very important to a team's success, it's not simply about having the best skilled players. It's not simply about having the best goalie. It's about having luck and momentum on your side as well. And momentum has completely gone to a halt. So we could see a lot of scenarios with upsets. Because, I mean, we saw what last year the biggest upset was Columbus sweeping the Lightning. There's potential for more series like that to play out. Because remember, the players, the teams in the qualifying round will potentially be playing m m two more games than the teams that already are in the playoffs. And they're probably not playing super hard if they're only unless they really care about getting that top seed. So you could potentially have one team that's that was playing really hard against a team that was kind of lackadaisical a little bit. I don't know. I can't foresee the future. So you could have a one team that has the upper ha uh, hand before the series even begins. Mm -hmm. And I think that that might play into potential upsets. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, and while we're on the topic of hockey, uh, uh, I, I, we did want to speak about uh, Zach Hyman. He was nominated for the Bill Masterton. So mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on that? The child author finally gets his, his, mm -hmm. uh, his due. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I will say this. Uh, I want... I know that this has been a big debate, kind of, in Leafland. Not, re I guess, maybe not really, but part of the, uh, the debate throughout the entire season was whether or not uh, William Nylander should have been the Leafs' Bill Masterton uh, Trophy nominee because he was having a, a comeback season, like a really good comeback season. Uh, but we, I guess, we tend to overlook sometimes that Zach Hyman missed the first month of the year and went out to have a was on went out to have a a season where he was on pace for 30 goals mm -hmm. as a, as a member of the, th as a top line. That's pretty impressive. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And let's, let's not forget last, uh, last playoffs. Uh, he played through a, uh, an injury mm -hmm. that, that took him out for a good amount of the beginning of the season. And he came yep. back and played excellently. And, and he's, I mean, he's not a typical, he's not a star forward. He's not even, you know, he could slot anywhere within the, the, the top nine, right? He's not a top yeah. line forward, that's for sure, but he could play on the top line because he's just a great player who perseveres through a lot and uh, 
knows his role and and i think it's a it's, it's a good nomination for him i definitely think it's well deserved uh, as much as it sucks for me because i really would love you know, to get some recognition for bouncing back from that contract negotiations but i think when after thinking it over i think it makes a lot of sense that uh, hyman got the nomination for the leafs mm-hmm. but uh, i want to look ahead because there are two other players that i think are very well deserving of the uh, nomination in uh, Connor mcdavid and uh bobby ryan now let's assume that Hyman, Ryan, and McDavid are the finalists for the Bill Bastion Trophy. If you were to pick between those three players, who do you think deserves it the most? So I was gonna go with this. I was gonna bring this up anyways, but I definitely uh, think uh, Bobby Ryan should be the NHL's Bill Masterton uh, Memorial Trophy winner for this year. And I just want to. Uh, I mean, we'll do this super quickly, but I just want to go over what uh, the Bill Masterton is, is even for for maybe some listeners who aren't sure what the trophy is exactly for but it's for a player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance sportsmanship and dedication to ice hockey and i mean we've seen it we've seen bobby ryan's touching story what he's come back from and uh and just everything his 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 comeback his comeback game um and everything's around his story especially and the narrative around this season um was just so good you know that's overcoming things big things off the ice that really shown that really showed his perseverance and i guess using hockey as you know the you know a comforting thing to come back to and and we surely saw um you know how great these kind of stories could uh you know uplift the hockey community as well mm-hmm yeah, I definitely think he's uh, very well-deserving of that nomination. And uh, I understand that uh, there's a very real possibility that he his playing days could have been over this season because he had to go into rehab. But I think there's uh, no denying that uh, when he came back, uh, having the successful start that he had was uh, very encouraging. And it's a shame that uh, the season uh, couldn't continue because he would have really had a chance to really cement himself uh as a, a player that still can be uh, productive on an NHL team. Um, yeah, for sure. The only argument that I have against him is, again, the number of games he played, and that has nothing, like, there's no shame in that. Like, it's unfortunate that he couldn't play more games, but obviously he had to deal with a personal matter, and that's important. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about just purely production value, I think if you want to make that, that argument of a player that uh, came back from a pretty gruesome uh, setback, and then was able to find success as a result, then I think Conor McDavid makes a lot of sense. Because remember, in Game 82 of last year, he had that really gruesome injury, and people were doubting that he was even going to be able for, to play at the start of the regular season, let alone even playing at all. But he uh, came back perfectly fine, was able to start the regular season, and uh, he was like just behind his, his uh, teammate, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, for scoring with like 97 points or something like that. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I, I'm just excited to see who, who ends up winning. My vote's in it for Bobby Ryan, but I think it's a great trophy in the end uh, that recognizes, I think if anything, the fact that every team gets to nominate someone um, just plays into, I guess, shining light on a lot of players, uh, you know, perseverance that, that deserves to be, um, you know, have the spotlight shown on them. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that the nod will probably go to Bobby Ryan, but I can see an argument why McDavid will uh, 
win the trophy. But we want to hear from you guys. Uh, let us know what who you think uh, has the best case to win the um, Bill Maston Trophy. If uh, the three players we mentioned are the best uh, candidates mm-hmm. or if there's anyone we completely glossed over, uh, let us know. For sure. Um, and I want to keep the... Uh... I want to keep the discussion going. I mean, uh, again, we had a lot of hockey news, uh, but uh, how about basketball? How about we move into basketball? Yeah. Um, basketball is just right up there with uh, hockey. I don't think we even got to speak about it last uh, or two episodes ago because I think the official announcement came out last week, but basketball is coming back, um, and uh, it looks like it's coming back, uh, I believe they said July 30th or July 31st, actually. I believe it was mm-hmm. July 31st. And um, they are looking to return. And uh, I, uh, let me pull it up. But uh, um, before I get the full details, um, what do you what do you think of their uh, their their plan to return? Of course, it involves them playing in Orlando in Walt yeah. Disney World. Um, if again, they they made it clear. If you're thinking that you might be able to go to Disney World and see some players there, you won't. They won't be at the parks or anything like that. They will just yeah. be housed at uh, Walt Disney World and playing their games uh, out of Orlando um, yep. because they are trying to minimize contact and uh, make it very safe. So uh, what are your thoughts on the overall uh, plan? I really do like the plan, and I think it's uh, it's foolproof in the sense that they have the perfect location to do it since they have – Walt Disney World is huge, as we've discussed on previous episodes. But uh, a new development in this whole thing just came up recently in that MLS is going to be resuming their season also in Orlando, also at Walt Disney World, also at the ESPN Sporting Complex. So there's kind of a bit of a a challenge there in the sense that there's going to be two sports leagues playing within close proximity of one another, and that could complicate some things. But uh, I think the NBA's been working tirelessly to make this thing work. They really want to finish the season. They want to have a championship champion decided. And I think that um, having it uh, starting in late July, having the set date confirmed is encouraging. And it gives uh, fans hope that play can come back. And today we saw that it moved up one day. Unfortunately, you're not getting the the, the NBA back on your birthday, but uh, it's close Uh, enough, I guess. So uh, as... as, um... As initially reported, so I'll just break it down. Yeah, it was the initial date for the uh, NBA's return was uh, July 31st. Um, now they have changed it. The target date is July 30th. I mean, pretty much the same thing. So what does it matter? Um, uh, and so how they're breaking it down is uh, they're going to start coronavirus testing uh, this month. And then uh, training camp will also begin hopefully at the end of June. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, It'll restart in, uh, Walt in in Orlando at Walt Disney World, and uh, it'll be the I believe it's uh, I need to get the exact numbers, but it's basically the eight teams from both conferences, plus I believe one team from the East, and I believe um, a few more teams. I think it's five teams from the West. Is it? Um, Something like that. Yeah. Let me. I'll get the uh, details. But the thing with that is that. The teams that don't, uh, the, the the teams that aren't in that top eight, they're basically all the teams have to play an eight game regular season, a mini regular season, so eight games, and that'll determine I think the uh, final seeding, 
and the eight teams that get to go through on both sides after the those initial eight games will actually get to take uh, take part in the official playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I think that's uh, the best case scenario because remember the NBA, it's a very top heavy league in terms of if you're in one of the top four or five teams, you're pretty much guaranteed to do well in the playoffs. But uh, if you're one of the bottom teams, uh, it's kind of a, a mixed bag. So I think it gives it those teams towards the bottom a fair shot at uh, trying to clinch the final two spots or however many spots are up for grabs. Um, I think in that sense, it's good. Um, but what do you think? Um, I think it's good. I, re- I actually really like the format. Um, just to break it down again, it'll be 22 teams in total. So I believe, uh, so it'll be the eight teams and the eight teams from both sides. And then, uh, yes. So one on, uh, one more on the East and then five more on the, in the West. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to find a list, but, um, we'll post it if anything, but, um, just, I like this idea more than the I honestly like it more than the NHL's 24 team format because a lot of people are obviously finding it hard to put 24 teams in and just automatically let them make the playoffs right Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people still have their gripes with that I think what the NBA is doing is they're taking the teams who um, still have a shot at making the playoffs and they're Mm -hmm. giving them that shot through eight games they're saying here's eight games um, if you can prove that you can actually win games and make it into the playoffs, just like if you would have at the end of the season, then uh, go ahead and make the playoffs, right? But if uh, if you don't, then you're out, right? And we'll and we'll have the normal, we'll have playoffs as normal. And here's I my do, question. I do really like that. Yeah, here's my question. I just thought of it now. These play-in games are they considered regular season games? Are they playoff games? Or are they just a, a random limp game that are in a state of limbo that don't really count towards anything? Um, I, I believe they do count towards the final seeding. Yeah, but I mean like for the player stats, that's what I'm referring to. Um, like, hmm, that's actually get, interesting. Like, I think at this point, I mean, the, the NBA is different though. It's not like the NHL where people really care about the scoring leader and things like that. Um, So I would say like the stat-wise, the leaders don't, matter that much but um i think it will count but i don't think it'll really change much like i think the mvp race is already probably decided on based on what we've already seen and defensive play of the year and 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 most improved and those those trophies i think they'll already be decided on um but i do think the stats will matter i guess but i think it'll count towards the regular season but uh, we'll see once more details come out. Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to be the case, but uh, I think that's probably the one thing the NBA needs to clarify because a lot of people will be confused if it's not the case. Uh, just from the, just the sound of it, if you present it as uh, call it like, don't if you don't call it a qualifying round, which is what the NHL is doing, the qualifying round is not does not consider regular season games. They're play-in games. But these other play-in games for the NBA aren't uh, to qualify like to move on to the uh, playoffs it's more to qualify for a, a seating which is slightly different than what the nhl is doing so i think uh if there's one thing i would like i think the nba should should take care of in the coming days is to determine what these playing games uh, are going to count as for stat wise mm-hmm. i believe they well we'll have to see once the details come out but i think it makes i think what they're going for is eight regular season games just to even things out um mm-hmm. and 
just uh, since I was kind of uh, stumbling over the details a little earlier, but uh, I just want to reiterate that the teams that are making it through uh, are, that are getting to play in Orlando for this 22-team uh, mini-season and playoffs are the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat, the Pacers, the 76ers, the Nets, the Magic, and then the ninth team in the East are the Wizards. Yep. And then in the West, it's uh, your t- your the, the the eight that were already in the playoffs, I guess. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Mavs, the Grizzlies. Um, and then they're also counting uh, five teams that uh, were in the bubble, which are the, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. So uh, we finally get to see Devin Booker may possibly make the playoffs. Um, and uh, also Zion. We, we get to see, because I think this will be interesting, because I think the Pelicans, uh, we've talked about them all season. I mean, uh, they've just been trending upwards, even without uh, Zion there. Uh, you know, their core of Ingram and, and Lonzo um, have been able to keep it, keep it together. And uh, once Zion came, they just started trending upwards really quickly. And I think eight games is a is a is an even amount of games to see how these teams, um, just outside the playoff bubble, could uh, fight for that spot. And I think the Pelicans are one to really watch for. I think so too. And uh, one player that I really would like to keep an eye on besides Zion is uh, Devin Booker, like you mentioned. This mm-hmm. is uh, probably his best chance so far to qualify for the playoffs. And I think he's going to really uh, put the team on his back uh, during these eight games because he knows that. Uh, for and unless uh, his he gets a better team built around, he's when's the next time he's gonna get as good of a chance as this. Mm-hmm. I mean, DeAndre Ayton seems very good, and and I'm sure with a few years on him, he'll he'll progress as a player. He just seems like a very raw prospect right now. Um, of course, he was a first overall pick, uh, 2018. But uh, I think give him give him a few more years, and he'll break out. But uh, it's interesting. We'll be able to see what that young core gets to do. Um, playing in meaning at least somewhat meaningful meaningful games here yeah i'll be really excited to see uh what happens going forward i think that there, there's uh with those with the six teams that are going to be qualifying for uh playoff spots uh it should be a very interesting uh battle it, it doesn't obviously mean that these teams are going to uh make a deep run in the playoffs it's far from it we don't know that but what i think is uh I don't know how the other teams are going to be playing. If there's going to have some just a uh, scrimmage game, like like kind of like preseason games for the teams that are already in the playoffs, so they can get their feet wet. But these teams in playing these uh, play qualifying rounds might have a better shot. Like I said, like I said for the NHL, where the teams that are in the qualifying round might be more prepared than the teams that did the uh, seeding uh, games. Those teams might have a might have a slightly better shot. Even if it's not a huge advantage over the teams that uh, were already going to be guaranteed a playoff spot anyway. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and I mean, with that, I just want to keep the podcast going, of course. But um, yeah, yeah, the Raptors have uh, they haven't returned to practice yet. But um, when do you think they will? I, I think possibly. I think it, the NBA was aiming for at least getting training camp and things uh, like that at the end of the month. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors um, return maybe in the next couple weeks. Yeah, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have to pass the COVID testing and all that, all, all that jazz before they can actually start. But 
I think a, a proper window is around June, anywhere between June twentieth to June to June thirtieth, which is the time they want to begin training camp. I think there's it's also possible that they uh they resume uh practices uh early July. Just because uh not every player is back in Toronto. As far as I know, there's like maybe two, and first person I can think of is uh Serge, who has uh stayed uh, in Toronto this whole time, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But you have to first get everyone back in the city. Second, do all the testing required to make sure everybody's healthy and ready to go. And then ensure that the practice facility has been uh, properly cleaned and there's no possible chances of the players accidentally catching the virus while they're practicing. So mm-hmm. until all the players, or at least majority of the players are back and they can guarantee that they can run a practice of some sort, um, it's we're gonna, it's going to be a while. But I think... It, hopeful is uh, what you're projecting more realistically is probably early July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we also have uh, substitution players. What do you think of that? That could be implemented. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I was uh, very intrigued by that. Um, I don't know what kind of players would be potentially be playing. It could be uh, a fiasco like the NFL back in the 80s when they had to use uh... – <coughs> Um, substitution players because of a player strike. I hope it doesn't really get to that. But I think in this case, because players' health are uh, of a top priority, it's understandable why some would not want to play. But remember, we're this is two months down the line. It's entirely possible that by the time play does resume, it's probably safer for the players than it was before. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think that... Uh... I think it's a good call because I do know a lot of uh, a lot of players have voiced their concerns on resuming. You know, it's 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 risky. Um, out of all jobs and even essential jobs, um, this is one job where you can't really take a lot of precautions because the sport is meant to be played. You know, very close contact and things like that. So I understand it. So uh, I think it's a smart move to be able to call up uh, or have more players on your roster and have those substitute players in, in the event that you can't have a player playing right yeah mm-hmm. i think the teams that have majority have their team that do have to use majority substitution players would kind of like to have their season end as quickly as possible so they can just move on to the next one which i think would be and very interesting if that proves to be the case yeah for sure <laughs> so uh with that i mean uh uh, that's uh i'm just i'm just looking forward forward to basketball coming back i think uh i really like their format and we'll just have to see as as uh the details come out but both hockey and basketball is coming back quite the birthday present for you i must <laughs> say <laughs> oh for sure but i mean uh what while basketball and hockey are coming back there's one sport that uh um uh, i don't think we could say the same do you want to talk about uh what's going on in baseball right now well, where do we begin? There's been a bunch of back and forths with the MLB and MLBPA, that's their player association, for those of you who don't know, about uh, trying to get the season resumed. If I'm not mistaken, the players want to play, but they want to be able to get compensated for it. Because remember, they're risking their lives, and there's a lot more players needed in baseball compared to basketball and uh, hockey. So it's been a lot trickier for uh, the players to get a satisfying uh, negotiation. 
and the play and the MLB is not giving them uh, satisfactory uh, compensation for it. And uh, remember, the MLB is losing a lot of money with the as uh, the start of the season gets delayed further and further. But I think the biggest concern might get to me, and I'm not sure what you think, is the possibility that the season could get completely canceled. And as more time gets uh, passed, uh, I think it's looking like it's likely going to happen. I think we spoke about this a couple weeks ago, but it's uh, it's a very real possibility. Um, and it's looking more and more possible. Um, unlike basketball and hockey, where, you know, they just had to finish the end of their season, right? Which is expendable. Um, th- like, Major League Baseball hasn't even begun their season. They haven't even ha- played a single game. They have no stats to go off of. They have no standings to go off of. They have nothing. Um, and when you miss half the season, you can't just recuperate from, or, or you can't just, you know, start it off wherever you want to. Right. And, uh, there's yeah. just so much more that goes into the beginning of the season than the end. And you can't really start a, se- a shortened season near where they were going to have the ending of the season. Right. So I think when you consider how much time has been lost and how much extra planning has to be involved, and you have to consider that the uh, the baseball is also a much shorter season than both hockey and basketball. They might play a lot more games, but in, in terms of time and months, it's it's a lot shorter. Um, that's way too much to condense and way too much to pack into a short period of time. Uh, that yeah, it looks like this might just be the year that. Uh, they might have to do without baseball. And honestly, um, I don't mind only because we'll have to think about the, the player's safety. And then that's that's the main uh, priority in any sport. And uh, I mean, there's no there's no need to force a season is all I'm saying. Yeah, um, I will say this, though. The NFL has is we're still nowhere close to them uh, resuming their season or, or even getting close to them uh, starting preparing for training camp, but they have the benefit of time to prepare for a potential resuming of play. They have like, unlike the MLB who uh, basically were given uh, like a, a curveball at the worst possible moment or has been scrambling to get things resuming. And remember things got paused during the middle of spring training. Baseball seasons usually begin at the end of March. Now, at least nowadays they do. So, if they lose out on this season, which I think is a possibility, they could really be in, in danger of falling further behind the big, the other big four sports. And they've already been losing ground because of uh, complaints about the length of the game and the pace of the game. And other games are being faster paced. But if there's less fans that are interested, it's like they could never find a middle ground in uh, these negotiations on top of the Houston Astros scandal that uh, we've already discussed in previous episodes. Fans might be, just be inclined to just turn like turn their back on baseball, just like they did in the nineteen like nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a tough time for baseball when you consider all those things, um, the 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 context around the season as well. Um, it's it's not a very convenient time for baseball to have to go through this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that uh, they can find something because. This is a, probably the most important season that has to be played, even if it's a shortened game. Because like I said, uh, and I'm going to repeat myself, like I just said moments ago, if they miss out on this season, 
they could be seeing much more money loss and that could really hurt their bottom line for years what what if they just uh resume what, what if eventually they resume the season they just decided to not let the astros take part in a shortened season i think that would be a decent punishment <laughs> yeah but they have to change the punishment for uh the manager who got mm -hmm. uh, suspended for the year because oh, yeah. remember he's kind of a, like no this is perfect i got suspended for a year and extended a year no there's no season to be suspended from this year <laughs> so well, they have exactly. to extend that yeah um exactly. mm -hmm. but we'll just have to see um where it goes uh hopefully we'll talk about it more next week as well and hopefully there's more um you know more uh progression or more things to talk about and more details that come out uh next week but uh i mean at least one event happened in baseball yesterday um the mlb draft and uh i think a lot of people a lot more people were tuning into that because uh we don't really have a lot of sports going on right now but the blue jays had the fifth overall pick and uh they they got quite the steal if i must say um Austin Martin, another Austin M in Toronto, I guess. But uh, yeah. he fell to fifth overall. And I believe, again, uh, he, I was looking at mock drafts in the morning. I was reading up on the uh, draft. And he was, uh, I mean, unanimously, almost unanimously, he was slotted at two um, in, in nearly all the mock drafts I read. Um, and he fell to fifth for the, uh, the Blue Jays. So what did you think of that? That was uh, pretty interesting that he fell that far, uh, considering all the hype that's surrounding him. Uh, but I think the Blue Jays will take it. That's another quality piece to add mm -hmm. to their uh, to their to their lineup uh, because the off the one thing that the Blue Jays struggled with last year was with their offense. As somebody who actually was working with the Blue Jays uh, in the uh, Rogers Center all of last year, and let me tell you, the first month of last season was a, a disaster and a and a train wreck to get through. They could use more offensive firepower, and I think he could. De Austin pa Austin uh, Martin would definitely provide that. Uh, whether whether he plays in the infield or the outfield, I'm gonna assume it's the outfield, just because it's so loaded right now. It he'll fit in perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And my question is, assuming he's able to jump, make it to the team pretty quickly, because it looks like this is a player that could maybe a year or two of development would quickly get him to the majors. But um, where do you think he would fit in the rotation, like batting order, with with the, the Blue Jays' core intact? Um, I'm not really. I haven't really um been reading up on him too much, other than uh the little bit I have. But so far, what I've read is that he's a he's a really good hitter, really good hitter. Um, and I mean the Blue Jays have their fair share of sluggers already, and I think he'll fit in right with them. Um, I would I would put him pretty high on the uh batting order what about you yeah i think so too um maybe perhaps fourth or fifth mm -hmm. in the road in the batting order because being a as someone who, as who can get on base and has a good hitting percentage you want to have someone who can clean up uh and get uh like runners and scoring like rbis but based on uh like the blue jays needs he could potentially be uh, swapping places with boba as the the top of the lineup or potentially fourth or fifth there's no real wrong way to go about this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I hope he's, he's the steal that, ever, that, that, that it seems like, it, it seems like the blue Jays got, just got away with robbery here. But uh, we always have to think with these kind of draft steals, uh, they can go either way. Um, you got to think, why did teams decide to pass on him? 
Um, and then, uh, but sometimes they work out. I mean, look at, uh, I, I, if we're talking about cross, uh, sport references here, I think of, uh, one steal that a lot of people think are one, one player who dropped was, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi <laughs> to the Oilers. Yeah. And that didn't really plan pan out in 2016. And then in basketball, uh, Luka Doncic fell because people had doubts on uh, a European player. And uh, I mean, we all see how that played out as well. That, that played out for positively for the Mavericks. Um, let's hope that Austin Martin is a, a big steal for the Blue Jays. And uh, their, their, their core looks great. Their young core looks great. And I do want to mention this because you did mention you think he could jump into the big leagues rather quickly. I want to say I think it'll take a little bit of time because of the situation. I want to acknowledge the situation we're in. Um, yeah. Let's let's not forget that, as we've been saying all during this pandemic, um, sports leagues are at risk right now. If you're not a major sports league, you're at risk of not even functioning. And we've talked about this in hockey. You know, where are the junior players going to play next year if they can't even operate the league, right? Where mm-hmm. the... Um, where the prospects and things going to play if there's no AHL season or if there's no G league in basketball and what's going to happen to, you know, baseball development leagues um, where I I assume they really don't make as much money as major league baseball uh, teams. Um, So how does that slow down development for players? That's something to think about. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for bringing that up. That's a definitely something, uh, MLB teams are going to have to consider when it comes to developing their players. Mm-hmm. But like I said, when it comes to high uh, draft picks uh, in baseball, there's a very good chance that like we could get a situation like a Bryce Harper where he quickly, and or Mike Trout, where only a couple of years after getting drafted, they quickly develop, make it to the majors, and uh, excel right off the bat. That's what I mean, mm-hmm. like a, a year or two after getting mm-hmm. drafted. I 100% possibly. agree. Yeah, it's definitely possible with Austin Martin, and let's hope that he has a, a good place to play within the next uh, next couple of years. Hopefully it becomes the next Seth Jones, who was supposed to be taken uh, first overall in his draft, but oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> turned out to be a pretty good decision for mm-hmm. Nashville. Uh, and, I mean, hey, we'll be talking about that very soon when our 2013 NHL redraft, but uh, I did want to say uh, I hope uh, we get some sort of cool thing where Austin Matthews meets Austin Martin, the yes. two Austin M's of Toronto. Oh, man. I hope people <laughs> don't get their names confused because it's our, some people struggle to spell Austin Matthews' name. Oh. People are going to start spelling Austin Martin with the O and Austin Matthews with the I. Oh, God. And imagine <laughs> if they, they mix up the plurals for uh, both names. Austin like Martins. Like they're going to call Austin Matthew. It's like, no, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but uh, it'll be, I guess we can call it the Austin decade for Toronto sports. Um, We're going to call it uh, Austin. Uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I was going to say something like on the lines A-U- of the A-U-S asterisk N. <laughs> but (laughs) um we'll take a break and then uh with that we'll take a break and then we'll come back with our uh 2013 nhl redraft (laughs) oh that was 
good break. Uh, let's get started on the 2013 uh, draft redo. And right uh, before we get started, huh? Let's get right into it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say before we quick before we get started, I just want to quickly emphasize that uh, the 2013 draft is pretty deep, and oh, yeah. uh, there are arguments to be made that this draft could be the next uh, 2003 draft, which is famous for being very loaded from top to bottom. Um, it's too early to call just yet, even though enough time has passed since this uh, draft took place. But uh, I'd imagine that there's not going to be too drastic of changes with uh, the positions. It really was a really deep draft. I mean, just looking through it, there are a ton of good, a ton of good players here. And I'm just looking at it like um, I'm looking at, you know, my order here that I have, you know, with my scouting intellect here. But uh there is just a whole lot of good players and a lot of players that are still breaking out. I think that's the exciting part. Um, of course, I'm just going to mention a few, but like Jake Gensel, Anthony Duclair, Tristan Jerry, um, we've, those players, we've only saw them start to really break out very, very recently and, uh, you know, give it a few years and, and we might see a few more players take the next step. And, and it really is, especially compared to the, the drafts we've already redrafted this is a very deep draft and it's, it's fair it's, it's fairly recent too yeah and i really like that there's a lot of good players and uh, it's not just players that are taking uh in the first two rounds there are some late round picks that have also turned out pretty well and we'll mention them a little bit later once we get to the honorable mentions but uh overall off the right off the bat like there's been a, a this has been a pretty good draft uh so far and i think uh the comp the uh the saying distinction that it could be the next 2003 draft is pretty well earned, as you will see uh, once we make our picks. Mm -hmm. uh, before we do get started, uh, last pick, last draft was uh, the 2012 draft. I was the one that went first. This time, uh, it is Matthew that's going first. And with that, I think you got a pretty easy decision for the first overall mm -hmm. pick. Before I start, I just want to run down the, uh, the rules that we always follow. We're just going to be doing the uh, top 10 uh, draft, uh, the top 10 draft picks. And we will uh, mention our honorable mentions. Um, and, uh, you know, we can choose whoever we want. I'll choose one and then Michael will choose and then we'll just keep going back and forth. And uh, I just want to run through the original top 10 really quickly. Um, first was Nathan McKinnon. Second was Alexander Barkov. Third was Jonathan Druin. Fourth was Seth Jones. Fifth was Elias uh, Lindholm. Uh, sixth was Sean Monahan. Seventh was Darnell Nurse. Eight, eighth was uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, ninth was Bo Horvat, and tenth was uh, Valerie Nasushkin. So, uh, with my first pick, I think it's <laughs> it's really easy. Uh, I'm going to take Nathan McKinnon. I think that was probably the easiest. Uh, that pick. was. I mean, oh Nathan McKinnon is just what a top three player in this league. Honestly, um, I would place him at third best in the league. I know it's still uh, those rankings are always arguable, but definitely one of the biggest superstars in the league. Um, definitely, he's a he's a MVP uh, MVP level talent year in and year out, and uh, he's still very young. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of him. But uh, he's been put, he put up 495 points in 525 games so far in the NHL. So a long career ahead for him still. And he's definitely uh, earned his spot as uh, one of the faces of the of the league. Um, I know he had a bit of a sluggish uh, start after his uh, impressive rookie season, but uh, he's rebounded quite nicely 
and I think he's going to be uh, helping the Avalanche on some deep playoff runs for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won the Calder Memorial Trophy, and uh, yeah, he kind of struggled uh, a few years after that for a couple seasons. Um, some uh, some very slow seasons, but in the last in the last few seasons, he's really picked it up. Um, I mean, 2017, 2018, he put up 97 points and then followed up with, with 99 points and 93 points this season. Um, this season was about to be his best season. Um, unfortunately, it got cut short. But it's just it's just a, a glimpse of, honestly, one of the best players in the league. Absolutely. And uh, I don't think the Avalanche are regretting not taking Seth Jones. Mm-hmm. And speaking of players not uh, regretting not taking Seth Jones, uh, the second overall pick was originally... A surprise but in this uh redraft i think it's probably the safe pick so i'm going to take uh, alexander barkov at second once again nice very nice uh alexander barkov i think uh a lot of people have been saying and I, I think i think he's getting his recognition now but he has been arguably the most underrated player in the league for the last uh few years but now it's great to see that he's finally getting the recognition he deserves um Last season, he put up a monster season, just 96 uh, points, honestly, 35 goals last season. And this season, he was putting up a very impressive season as well uh, with 62 points in 66 games, nearly a point per game. Um, And he is a great two-way player and just a really solid first-line center that you can't really go wrong with. I'm telling you, man, if he was on a bigger market team, like let's say the Rangers, I think people Mm. would be getting getting a lot more respect and credibility than he has uh, so far. But uh, maybe the uh, the smaller lights in uh, Florida have really helped him out uh, develop quietly mm-hmm. into a legitimate force. And one thing uh, that I really like about Barkov's game is his skill level. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of goals of his that uh, he shows his impressive moves uh, in the oh, shootout. His hands, his hands are amazing. Yeah, like my first thought is uh, a goal he scored against the uh, Canadians uh, not too long ago. Like I, I'm just thinking about it right now, and I'm it's an awe that he was able to do that, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, another player that uh, is going to be very interesting to keep watching in the next few years. He's jumping up there mm-hmm. um, with my third overall pick. We're going to see the first jump in the draft order here, um, but I'm going to take uh, Seth Jones, who, as we mentioned, he originally was arguably going to go first overall. He was up there alongside Nathan McKinnon. Then he dropped to fourth to the Nashville Predators. They traded him to Columbus, um, but I'm going to take him uh, third here in our redraft. Um, he's just been an amazing player, honestly, an amazing defenseman, a franchise defenseman, if you if you might say, or just a superstar defenseman in general. And he's still very young. Uh, how old is he? He's he's only 25, so he's hitting his prime right now. And uh, so far for a defenseman, he has 407 points in 479 games. That's a very uh, very good uh, production rate for a defenseman and uh, definitely a player you can build your team around. Yes, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, it was tough to let him to pass on him for the second overall pick, but uh, I think uh, he's definitely earned his keep as a, a top uh, draft pick in uh, the 2013 draft. Uh, Columbus is really pleased to be having to got him for only Ryan Johansson. He's fit in very nicely on their, their back end. And I don't. I think the Blue Jackets would not be going anywhere without his services. Like he's that he's been that important of a player mm-hmm. to their team. And uh, I think his height and the fact that he's a right shot really elevates his value. Uh, can't can't imagine many different teams that would uh, pass on a player that uh, 
posted 57 points uh, as his best season so far. Mm-hmm. So uh, now you have the uh, fourth overall pick. Ooh, this is tough because there's two players from Canadian teams that uh, went mm-hmm. around this top 10 that I could easily choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's tough to move on. And from, I think, from I think honestly, from I was just when I was doing my scouting for this draft, um, outside of that top three, and I think between four to six, I really had a hard time, uh, you know, ranking the players because honestly, they the next few are all very good players, very very good players who can who each have a legitimate argument to go, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth. Yeah, I think I'm gonna lean towards this player because his height advantage, but also the fact that he's a consistent scorer. Like, he produces uh, 60 points a year, and uh, it's got to be Sean Monaghan. Mm-hmm. That's who I had listed at fourth as well. Sean Monaghan, um, like you said, a consistent 60-point uh, score. He he can always hit around there. Um, this season, he kind of uh, had an off-season kind of, but last season he put up 82 points, which is of an amazing season and even this season he put up he still put up 22 goals which is very very effective yeah i think uh, calgary uh is pleased with having uh drafting uh, monahan at the position that they were at he's really fit in nicely and had good chemistry alongside of johnny goudreau who's also an important part of the flames offensive uh push um Obviously, this year they took a bit of a step back, and uh, it's argu- it could be argued that last season they somewhat overachieved. But uh, it, Monaghan is important to the Flames, and I don't think they'd be uh, anywhere as good without his services. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep this going with my, uh, I believe I'm at pick number five now. So with my yeah. fifth overall pick, I am going to take Bo Horvat from your Vancouver Canucks. Your Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Not our Vancouver Canucks, but... Uh, <laughs> um, Bo Horvat, captain of the Canucks. Um, he's really shown... He's really come into his own lately, and he's shown his uh, leadership qualities, which I think is amazing. Um, but yeah. he has been a, a very reliable factor for the Canucks. Um, he's he's getting... He's turning into that consistent 60-point player. Um, of course, this season was shortened, but he was on pace for around 60 points with 53 points points in 69 games last season he put up 61 points and uh nearly a a 30 goal score scoring pace as well um and you really can't go wrong with uh that combination of skill plus uh leadership qualities as well i think when i think of bo horvat i think of the quintessential second line center Mm -hmm. like he's got good height he's good on the draws he's good at both ends of the rink and he uh complements all the other players on his line very well that's what matters yeah he plays his role well Exactly, and I think most teams would kill to have a guy like them, him on his on the sec on the second line, because he's just a second line center. Just needs to have all those qualities uh, combined. And yes, all the focus right now is on Elias Pettersson, who's uh, quickly developed into the Canucks' top player. But uh, I think they'd be n- nowhere without the services of Bo Horvat. He's been that important to their center depth. A hundred percent. So uh, you have the next pick. Oof, this is a uh, this is going to be interesting. Number six. Um, see, there's two players that I could potentially take here. Um, one of them, I believe, I think they're both wingers or one's a center. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think one has really proven to his value right away. Another has uh, slowly developed into that player. And, uh, this is a very tough one because uh, I think you could go either way on this one. But if it were me, 
I'm going to give a slight edge to Jake Gensel, and I'm going to take him sixth. Nice. That's a smart choice. Um, Jake Gensel has been amazing. I honestly, I've been following his career because I remember um, when he got called up, it was uh, when the, the Penguins were going through a, a, a large amount of injuries. Um, and again, uh, when you play alongside Sidney Crosby, you know, the, the narrative has been Sidney Crosby can turn any winger into, uh, you know, an effective player. But uh, Jake Gensel slowly came into his own, and he immediately made a uh, a slow impact. And um, he, I think, I a couple of years ago when he had his uh, forty eight point season, I had a, I wrote an article about him actually, mm-hmm. um, way back because um, I believe he uh, he had an amazing playoffs that 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 year. Uh, almost, uh, I think that that was the year the. Uh, Penguins the, the year the Penguins won the 2017 Stanley Cup he put up 25 uh, or 21 uh 21 points uh and 13 goals which is the highest amount of goals scored in that playoffs and so he was putting up uh you know playoff MVP numbers um but he didn't win the playoff MVP but uh the con Smythe but but I think that showed you know he had a lot of potential and uh then look at last season last season he just completely broke out 40 goals 76 points um you know you can't go wrong with a player who's just been trending upwards that quickly i think he was on 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 pace to uh potentially match or surpass those numbers before a mid-season injury basically ended his uh, reign of terror Mm -hmm. like the penguins you have to remember they lost crosby for a while and gensel really stepped up in his abs in his absence uh playing i believe was either playing alongside malkin or on a different line but uh, Gensel really has uh, proven that he's uh, been quite a uh, diamond in the rough uh, being taken in originally in the third round. And I don't think the Penguins are regretting that decision one bit. He's uh, really stepped up big time and fit in right away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, like I said, uh, Jake Gensel, he was call- kind of called up just as a substitution piece for in 2017 when the Penguins were going through a, a, a large amount of injuries. And he became a mainstay, had an amazing playoffs. And it's crazy to see him go from, you know, that fill-in player to now a really relied on piece for the Penguins who can hold his own. And uh, that that is something really great to see and definitely a solid player. And he's still young, so we'll definitely see a lot more from him. Just before we move on to the next pick, uh, I have to say the Penguins are really lucky that they have Gensel uh, playing well right now. Because remember... There's not much time left on uh, Crosby and Malkin's prime. And there's always going to be questions on who's going to take the torch on them when their playing days are over. And I think they've got their answer right now in uh, Jake Gensel. He could easily uh, take over uh, the torch of being the face of the franchise when uh, Malkin and Crosby eventually leave. For sure. It's kind of like the situation with uh, Yager when he came in midway through uh, the Mario Lemieux uh, era. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect timing for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see how he how his career continues to pan out. Um, and you have the next pick? Uh, no, that's you oh, now. I have the next pick, my bad. Um, oh, we talked about Gensel so much, I thought it was my pick. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, with my next pick, I'm going to take uh, Elias Lindholm. That's who I was coming for. The uh, flame, uh, from, from, from the Calgary Flames. Um, he really came into his own uh, very recently. I mean, with Carolina, he was a consistent 40-point scorer. But uh, last season after being traded to Calgary, he broke out. 78 points in 81 games and he really found a home in calgary and he's really starting to show what the you know the type of player he is 
kind of slowed down in terms of point production this season with only 54 and 70 games but uh he's he he scored 29 goals this season so he's also becoming you know a reliable 30 goal scorer which you know you can never have too many of and a, a reliable 60 point player as well which is like i said a quintessential second line player to have players like that on your team is very important uh even i if i'm not mistaken they sometimes have a lindholm on the top line uh mm-hmm. in calgary which is uh Kind of compliment to his uh, turn quick turnaround uh, in Calgary because I know that in Cal in like you said in Carolina he was a consistent forty point like third forty point guy, but uh, I think his uh, like you said he's found a home and I think he'll fit in quite nicely for years to come and uh, it's quite impressive that uh, the Flames have the fifth and sixth picks on their team back to back because Lindholm was originally taken fifth and uh, as we know Monahan was taken sixth. Hmm. And funny how things work out, I guess. Um, so yeah. now you have the eighth overall pick. Ooh. Um, I think this one might be easy, actually. I was uh, st- struggling for a little bit, but you know what? I think uh, my the eighth overall pick deserves to be uh, a power forward who's uh, going to be a big part of this team's rebuild, and that's uh, Anthony Mantha. Anthony Mantha, nice. Um, Anthony Mantha has turned into, a, like you said, a, a very effective power forward. I really like his uh, combination of size and uh, offensive skill. The unfortunate reality is that he's on a weak uh, Detroit Red Wings team that uh, has not uh, has fallen off the, uh, the the grid in terms of the, their pursuit of the playoffs, and they're nowhere near closer to that yet. And we don't even know if they're even going to get the first overall pick, even though they currently have the best odds. And they're just coming off a historically bad regular season. And... We, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that the season wouldn't continue because we would have been interesting to see how their season would have ended up. But I think for a guy like Mantha, like on that team and uh, being one of the key guys offensively, he's probably appreciative of not having to continue on that season because he did kind of regress a little bit in terms of uh, injuries. But production-wise, he was on pace to smash his uh, personal best of 48 points. He was 10 points shy of it in 43 games. This is a guy that uh, really could be, this is a potential star in the making here. Oh, for sure. Honestly, uh, he definitely, and uh, he's been showing a lot of progression. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to see how his career pans out. But uh, things are looking upwards. Especially now that uh, the Red Wings potentially mm-hmm. will get a top pick And this year. yeah, I mean, the, the Red Wings have been, I think that also plays into it. I think Matt has shown his his potential, and, and the Red Wings have been very, you know, down pretty bad. But uh, <laughs> they'll just start to trend upwards. They'll get the pieces to build, and uh, I think that'll only help his, his career out more. What helps is that they have Steve Eisman as their GM at mm-hmm. the moment. And Steve Eisman has proven to be effective at rebuilding a team, as he did mm-hmm. in Tampa. I think uh, Detroit's in good hands. And we'll see how the lottery balls play out for them. All right, number nine. Number nine. So I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, a legendary name in Toronto, but uh, not exactly that him, but his son Max Domi. So uh, <laughs> Max Domi. Uh, you know when he was uh, when he was in uh, Arizona, he had a he was a very reliable player in Arizona. Still, you know. A, a, a 40, 40 point score, 40 to 50 point score, reliable. Um, but when he 
got traded to Montreal. I think he really found a home, similar to uh, Lindholm. Um, he put up 72 points last season, um, which was his highest so far. And uh, this season, I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I know Montreal has been kind of up and down this season and really been struggling. But uh, his production kind of uh, diminished a little. But he's still a very uh, reliable 40 to 50 point scorer. Um, even yeah. 60, he was on pace for, you know, 50 plus this season uh, on, I mean, a, a Montreal team that's been struggling, like I said, but uh, that 72 point season last season uh, really stuck out to me and it showed me that he's really taking strides into becoming the player he wants to be. Absolutely. And uh, I do like that, uh, that analogy of uh, him finding a new home in Montreal and finding success because everyone knew that he had potential to be a top school scorer. And he was taken 12th overall. Like, that's uh, no laughing matter. Like, it's still it's still impressive if you're taken that high in the draft. And I think that what he showed in Montreal is that he still has a scoring ability. Well, obviously, this year, he's kind of regressed big time, as, as a lot of the Montreal Canadiens have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, yeah, had- again, I mean, it's, it's reflective of the team in general as well. I think what we have here in Max Domi is a much better, like a, another Brandon Gallagher, where he's not a huge player. But he's a physical threat, and he can provide offense. Mm-hmm. Like players like him and uh, Brad Marchand, as much as we hate him, they're valuable because they can be a threat. They can be a threat to uh, to score and can be a pest at the same time. I think it's a, a perfect scenario for uh, Montreal to have two players like that on their team for sure. Um, and uh, do you want to round out the uh, the final pick here? Number ten. I well. I have an interesting dilemma because there are some good players. There are some good players left. I'm just looking on my board here. There are there are a lot of good players left, and that just shows how deep this draft is. Yeah, I I'm going to take a defenseman with this pick, but it's going to be a player that's not going to have a too drastic of a fall. And uh, this might be a bit controversial for some, but I'm going to stand by it. Rasmus Ristolainen. Ooh, really? Yeah. Interesting pick. No, I like it. Interesting pick. Uh, but uh, he, he's he been a solid defenseman for the Sabres, honestly, and arguably their top defenseman. I mean, Dahlin is kind of taking that place now, but uh, he still hasn't, you know, got to that level of, uh, you know, assuming that number one role. But Rissaline has been very solid. He has. And one thing that uh, fans don't uh, give him enough credit for is since his third season and up until now, He's been a consistent 40-point guy. Like, he's guaranteed to get you at least 40 points as a defenseman. That's important to have that mm-hmm. from your back end. Uh, obviously, this year he took a bit of a regression, but I think he was on pace to hit that same mark again. Now, obviously, the, the plus-minus uh, is people what, what people are going to point to is like, oh, his plus-minus is not good. But Buffalo has been bad for all, all those years. I think if he was on a different team, I think he'd be much more appreciated. Mm. And the fact that he's now in trade rumors would potentially is a uh, proof of that. I think wherever he goes to next, he'll probably have a better chance to shine. And I think that um, he will have a better chance of success offensively because remember he is pretty big and he's a right shot. I think most teams will look at that and say, Hey, we could use a guy like that on their, on our blue line. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think his, his situation is, uh, has a lot to do with it. Um, of course, like I said, he's still assumed as their number one defenseman. I don't think he really is that number one defenseman type, but I think he is a top. Uh, he is an effective top four defenseman. I think if he was in a 
situation where he didn't have to feel all that pressure on him, I think it would be beneficial for him. There's a reason why there's some people that are somewhat interested in having Rasmus Mysterlinen uh, be traded to Toronto, <laughs> even if it's kind of a maybe a questionable move because I don't think uh, the Sabres and Leafs will want to trade with each other. But uh, hey, you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I do want to give a shout out to the uh, player that I was very close to taking. That's Josh Morrissey. I think he's just as deserving to be taking 10th overall. And I think he uh, would have been a great pick as well. But uh, I don't know. It's just uh, I like uh, Rasmus Ryan's size and the fact that he's a right shot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess it's now that rounds out our top 10. Uh, we'll have a graphic. We'll tweet out a graphic uh, sometime this week uh, yep. so you can see our, our picks. But uh, let's just quickly name off some honorable mentions that weren't picked. Again, this is a very deep draft. So there are some good honorable mentions here. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Brett Pesci. I had him on my board that he didn't get taken, uh, but definitely a solid, very solid defenseman for uh, the Hurricanes. Really came into I, his own. And yeah. uh, a lot of Leafs fans would love to have him on Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Other than that, also uh, Jonathan Druin. Um, although yeah. he got traded to Montreal, he's still been uh, putting up um, a decent amount of numbers. You know, uh, He's been a solid player still putting up, you know, 53 points last season. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he's kind of been up and down, but I think he's starting to come into his own. He really has. Uh, I already mentioned uh, Josh Morrissey as an honorable mention, but a few others I'll mention uh, is Ryan Pollock of the Islanders. He's really developed into a two-way threat uh, for them. He's been a solid pick. Terry Lekkinen's really good. Tyler Bertuzzi. Darnell, Darnell Nurse. Nurse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shea Theodore. Uh, Tristan Jerry. Yep. Anthony mm-hmm. Duclair as well. Um, Andre Burkowski, who's really had how to break out season in uh, Colorado. Um, and uh, I want to mention, uh, before I mention some Leafs, uh, Dominic Kubalik, who's really had a great rookie season with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this draft had two Leafs uh, that uh, ended up playing games for them uh, in Andreas Janssen, who was a Pretty good seventh round pick, if I do say so mm-hmm. myself. Oh, for sure. And uh, Steel. The GOAT. Freddy Goche. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I, if we would go in the first round again if we were redoing this draft. Yeah. But, uh, but a I solid we, pick nonetheless. As a, a solid player to pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Fourth line center. Because in the end, you know, fourth line centers are still important. You, the draft is just as important to pick up role players as it is to pick up stars. Yeah. And I think that uh, the Leafs were tempted by his size. And mm. while it did take him a bit, a bit of time to develop and make it to the NHL, he's found a home, and I think he'll fit in just fine with the Leafs long term. Mm-hmm. Now, will it, will he remain with the like? Will he be one of the first players to get traded if there are salary cap problems? Yes, absolutely. But uh, I think the Leafs are happy to have taken him, despite the fact that he didn't really become like a huge scoring threat. I think as a perfect fourth line center, like I said. I think he'd fit in just fine for sure and so that's our uh 2013 nhl redraft next week we'll be tackling the 2014 nhl draft and uh before we close out michael let's uh let's tackle some uh fan questions and then we will close out the episode first of all thank you to everybody who did respond this week uh only two questions this time uh but uh your answers are always appreciative um we're gonna first start off with uh Owen Frank at Owen Frank. He asked, 
are the top five Leafs ready, as in Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, and uh, Morgan Riley for the resumption of play? Mm-hmm. Um, first, you can answer it. I want to hear well, your thoughts. I think they should be ready. But like Matthew said earlier in the episode, uh, there's going to be some sluggish starts for a lot of players because of uh, how much time has been, uh, how much time there has been since the last game played back in mid-March and uh, when players are now able to start skating again, which is uh, right now. And who knows how the players are going to be when uh, play does finally resume in uh, late July, early August. Uh, I I like to think that the the Leafs' top players are going to be ready to go off this top, but... um, I wouldn't be too shocked if at least one of them gets uh, off to a bit of a sluggish start. But if there's one player who I would be very uh, be very confident in uh, knowing that he's not going to have any rest at all, it's going to be Austin Matthews. Because mm-hmm. I think that he's a player that's going to be motivated by just missing out on the Rocket Richard. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm kind of with you there. Definitely. Um, in terms of readiness, I think it'll be very hard to say they'll be ready because let's be real. Um, this is, this was a bigger rest or a bigger break than, you know, an off season because, you know, players didn't have access to gyms or rinks or anything like that as they normally would, but I think they'll be as ready as they ever will be. And I think Matthews, um, will, you know, have that, uh, he'll have that drive in him. And I think Nylander as well, because as we saw, he was having this, uh, comeback season, and uh, it really seemed like he was determined to prove, you know, the doubters wrong. Um, Tavares and Marner and Riley, they've been having, uh, you know, they've been up and down this season. Um, Riley, we saw, didn't have have as, as great of a season as he did last season. Um, but, hey, I mean, I hope they realize that uh, this, is, this is it. This is just as important as any other playoffs. And mm-hmm. um, if anything, you have to put in, double the work now coming back so i have i have a a, a few doubts for those three but i do think it all depends on how they decide to perceive this comeback let me put it to you this way i heard uh already twice uh quotes from uh taveras and morgan riley who said they're both motivated to get started and prove people wrong and for taveras especially he really wants to win the cup i think if they use those things as motivation i think it'll help them get ready Mm -hmm. um I like I said, uh, just basically repeat myself and just just answer your question, Owen. They should be ready, but don't be surprised if some of them go to, get off to a sluggish start. For sure, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And, and uh, uh, any other questions? There's one more. That's a little bit of a silly one, but uh, this is going to be an interesting debate from Drew Minot uh, at Minot Drew. Are tacos a sandwich? Um. <laughs> no no they're not i'm not gonna no. say no i don't think they are do you think uh, they are you know what and this is here's why it's a a, a pretty uh, interesting debate because it's kind of the same thing as saying are hot dog sandwiches because as hot dogs as a sandwich are you can't make the argument that they are sandwiches because it's two breads uh put between a meat with some sauces on top. Now, obviously, the bun is not fully cut in half, and, and that's pretty much a sandwich. But you can easily make the argument that a hot dog sandwich. A taco, I think, in this case, is slightly different in the sense that it's not really bread, like like two buns, but it's a cornflake. 
So it's in some senses like. Do you still count that like, as bread, though? <laughs> also, there's well, an opening at the top. It's like open at the top. It's closed on one side, but open at the at the other end. Yeah. See, there are there's cornbread, and cornbread is really good. Um, this is an interesting one. Like, I think it's in like if we're really coming down to it, I don't think a taco is a sandwich. But just because of the fact that there is a meat sandwich between uh, two sides of a bread, and if you take out that bottom part, it could theoretically be a sandwich. Although it'd be probably the weirdest sandwiches that that, that mm. ever existed. But uh, you know what? I'm just gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> this no. is the very my very long drawn out answer. It's to, no. To no. It's no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, we'll close out the episode. Um, Thanks for listening, and uh, I just want to I just want to reiterate the the points that we brought up at the beginning of the episode. I'm um, going back to it. Uh, you know, do what you can to educate yourself about the uh, the current situation that's going on in Black Lives Matter and the um, the fight for justice that uh, you know everyone's fighting for, especially for uh, our our brothers and sisters, our our black brothers and sisters. Um, take the time to educate yourself if you can. Donate. And um, if you can sign sign petitions, of course, and uh, I'd like to redirect you guys to blacklivesmatters.card.co. Yep. And uh, please listen to the episode if you haven't already. It's really worth your time. Listen to any other podcast that uh, discuss this uh, movement, uh, and don't just uh, talk about it because it's a hot to- it's a hot topic right now. Make sure you continue these conversations uh, in the weeks, months, and years that will follow. Uh, Hopefully this quarantine gives you a, a wake up call to realize that now is the time more than ever to listen and to give the black community their undivided attention for the, for the rest of your life and to encourage others to not just uh, uh, promote, uh, stay away from racism, but promote anti-racism. This is a very important time right now to uh, really educate yourself and uh, help the black community in this uh, ongoing fight. For sure. And with that, um, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Take care, guys.